Welcome to Courageous Conversations with your host, Richard Dolan, a world-renowned speaker, mentor, and coach to many celebrity icons and global thought leaders. Listen as they share their stories and insights about what it takes to lead a courageous life, from overcoming adversity to living with purpose and meaning. Each guest brings a unique perspective that will leave you feeling empowered and motivated to make positive changes in your own life starting today. Hey, everyone, if you're just tuning in from anywhere in the world, we are so delighted to have a courageous conversation with the one and only Roy Jones Jr. And uh, for anyone that ever looks him up, I mean, every time I interview anybody, of course, you do the first and most important thing to do, which is what? You Google them. And uh, I mean, Roy Jones Jr. is a lot of really interesting things. What's amazing about Roy Jones Jr., first and foremost, is the fact that not only is he pound for pound one of the most brilliant fighters of our time, what's incredible about him too, though, is that he's actually very multifaceted. I mean, he's a trainer, he's a rapper, he's an actor. He holds, I didn't know this, but he holds two citizenships, one in America and one in actually Russia. And just today, uh, in fact, just fresh out of Russia six hours ago, they announced that the uh, Russian Boxing Federation uh, will be appointing him as the head of the Russian Boxing Federation, which I find just absolutely fascinating. So he's a guy that competed in boxing from the late 80s right through to 2018. He held multiple world championships in four weight classes, including titles at the middleweight, super middleweight, light heavyweight and heavyweight. And, and I mean, what better way to really point out how, how incredible that is than to be able to really maybe put it in perspective. I don't know if Jelena, Jelena, are you here? Because you're no stranger to boxing as well, because you're one of the greatest Canadian female boxers in the country. Um, how are you, darling? How you been? I'm good. How are you? Keeping well? I've been kicking around. Yeah. You're no stranger to what's going on in the world of boxing. Now, ain't that true? No, yeah. Eight world titles and 53 fights. So I've been here a minute. You've been here a minute, indeed. And how hard is it for any boxer, especially you knowing this firsthand, for one to compete at various weight classes and then dominate those spaces? What would you say from your professional opinion? I think it's always a challenge because every weight class you go to poses a different challenge. Um, whether you're I've done it a little bit opposite. Um, you know, most fighters, as they get older, they move up in weight classes, and I went down. Um, but every every time you pose a different challenge, the, the bigger the opponents get, the harder they punch. Maybe they move a little slower, but there, you definitely have things going on in your mind. Um, for me, every time I went down in weight, I was like, oh, am I going to be quick enough? So there's always different challenges and, and um different ways to challenge yourself, which is what I love about boxing is super mental. And and for me, I, I live for that challenge. And so the reason why I jumped different weight classes was because I was bored at the weight I was at. So, um, and you know, that's what a lot of the fighters get is we live off of that high, that adrenaline rush to succeed. Well, listen, I mean, for a boxer, you sure are still pretty. So we're, we're going to keep you in the tank because I know there's going to be a very large and uh, very welcomed interview with you as soon as we were able to get our schedules lined up. But I, as soon as I heard you were here, I needed to make sure that everyone around the world got a chance to meet you. You're a dear friend of the Sundar family. So it's good to have you here joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. So more from her another time. She needs her own show. But I mean, I mean, if you don't know who she is, she is definitely someone you do not want to walk into a dark alley and confront. I mean, anytime and any, everywhere. I, I, in fact, anywhere I would go and anywhere in Alberta, I would want to walk in there with her because she's going to definitely uh, have my back. But uh, hey, listen, everybody, Courageous Conversations is going to get started. We just got Roy. He's just uh, trying to log on right now. He just wrote me and said, hey, gosh, my, uh, the device I'm on is not working. So he's just going to go to another one right now. And this is what it looks like to tap dance. I mean, this is what we do. We, uh, we do so and we do it eloquently and we do it with grace. But I want to find out who else has got things cooking and shaking and baking this week. I want to just find out how people are doing in here before we get Roy in here. Who's got something that they crush? Something that just they're bubbling with and they just want to let people know like, hey, I did this and I crushed it. And I just wanted to share that with people because my family doesn't return my phone calls and I don't want to call anybody really in my family right now. Let's take a look. Go ahead, Suzanne. You're live. Go ahead, darling. So following up with yesterday's conversation, you're talking about coaches being coaching and coaching. In my own business world, it was funny. I, I've been implementing a, a structure to work with in the insurance business. 
and looking at taking over another agency. And it was great for me now to be the implementer of what we're doing and how when you apply the coaching and again, reapply the coaching and it just, you grow so much more by being able to take it to the next level. And thank you for not always being so perfect and allowing us not to be so perfect because it allows us to grow and expand as well. No, you're more than welcome. And I mean, that's what it's always about. And that's why we're having people like Roy Jones Jr. here. And uh, I mean, we're really delighted to get him on the air shortly. So uh, good for you. Congratulations. I'm so happy to hear that for you. And uh, without much further ado, I do want to, in fact, just call the attention that we do have the champ in the house. He's here incognito. I just had him a moment. There he is. I'm going to come up there and unmute you, sir. There's the man. I mean, we've got our friends from Google here. We've got our friends from Bronze Studios here. And you've got an audience from around the world, Mr. Roy Jones Jr. Everyone give him some love. Give him some applause. Give him some welcoming. How are you, good sir? How you been keeping? I'm doing good, my brother. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. You look like you're cozy and just chilling. Looks like you're home. Just taking it easy. You know how it goes. I know how it goes. Well, you've been keeping well, but uh, at the same time, you've got an audience from around the world. You've got folks from Canada here, uh, Champ. You've got people from all across America. You've got people in parts of Germany, England, Scotland. Uh, Dubai is in the house. Israel is in the house. Um, you've got lots of people around the world just wanting to check in live to check and see how you're doing. And first and foremost, um, we all couldn't help but notice a little fight that broke the records and rewrote the history books that your name was splashed all across the lines, the paragraphs, and the chapters of such a thing. What was that like for you to come on back from retirement, uh, from coasting into a, a, a comfortable life of being a, you know, a rapper, a musician, you're, you're a writer, you're a businessman, you're, you're so many things. What was that all like for you, my friend? Well, it was, uh, it was something that was on my bucket list. You know, when I won the World Heavyweight title back in 2003, Mike Tyson was the only other heavyweight that I really would have fought. He was the only other heavyweight that I wanted to fight. I didn't get the opportunity then. So now sitting around at 51 years old, I'm like, they like might want to fight, fight you in the exhibition. I'm like, wow, I don't want to do nothing but to share the ring with Mike Tyson. And people are right now in a pandemic where we, haven't, we didn't have many sports at the time. We didn't have much going on. People didn't have any entertainment. How entertaining would it be to see me in the ring with Mike Tyson at this age, at an age where it's hard to get away from him because my legs are not what they used to be. They just put me on a small, small ring so that he also could get there with me. So, I mean, they made everything, they stacked all the cards against me and they stick mm. me there with that killer. But it was so fun because, you know, it was like, like everything else, when you're a professional, you know how to handle yourself. And so I had to know how to handle myself. No, it's true. It's true. And it, it, was, it was a fun adventure though. No, I heard nothing but good things. And I mean, for a lot of people who don't know, I mean, we're, we're joined by the man, the pound for pound. One of the greatest fighters of all time, Roy Jones Jr. Um, so much to get to, so much to talk about. But uh, but as you know, I was I was one of the advisors, special advisors to the Tyson team. I've been around the family for a very long time. And uh, when I heard the news that that he was going to fight, I said, "Oh boy!" I mean, I mean, you know, Mike, he's he's way better looking than you. You know, for starters, just for starters. I mean, that's number one. He's like, oh, stop, man. You ain't got no, you got bad eyesight, he would say to me. But um, but it was said that you were you were not only more athletic, but you actually trained immensely. Why, why don't you share with our friends around the world what, what your training looked like? What kind of shifts and changes you made in your life at that stage in your life to to come back, recondition yourself, to get yourself boxing ready? Well, I had to do certain things, some things a little different than I had used to do in the past. These guys play basketball and train to help get my cardio up and do the things I wanted to do. Now, because of the knees, I had to completely eliminate basketball. Because if I had to play basketball, I'd never been able to continue with the fight. Uh, then, I thought we were going to fight within six weeks of when I started training, which was July. They said we were going to fight September 12th. So I started in July, but it'll be with August, September, then, you know, we fight. And I think I started right at the end of it. They said, no, we got to push it back to November. I remember that. I really now, that was tough. I already, because I already changed everything. Yeah. You had she, you had, you had some good strides. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm in good shape. I'm peaking right on the top of September 12th. Now I got to push way back to November. So you got to change the whole way you're doing training camp. Man, it was the craziest thing and one of the roughest things I ever did. But you know what? I felt like the world needed that entertainment. The world wanted to see that. Of course, you're not getting the type of money you want to get from it. It's not even about money because you're not getting money for it. They're going to miss you out of all the money. 
but because the world is in such a bad place right now, everybody's down with these, these masks and all the other foolishness going on. I was like, you know, to sacrifice what you do to sacrifice my whole comfort zone for the rest of the world, I'd be crazy not to do it. So I did. Now, one of the things that, uh, you know, you don't know who we're talking to. This is Roy Jones Jr. One of the coolest things that we're working on. I'm going to leave till later because it's actually uh, quite amazing that uh, his name has become an incredible household name. Uh, there's talk about him in Hollywood. There's talk about him on Wall Street. So I'll get to that later on. But before I do, uh, you know, back to you, Roy. When, when anyone investigates and researches, Googles, if it were, to find out more about who Roy Jones is and, and who Roy Jones Jr. came to be and where was he actually, in fact, born out of, man, you had a really tough upbringing. And, and I've often said myself to many people across various uh, broadcast channels that I had, a, I had a tough, boy, you, my friend, had it tough. In fact, if you look under tough in the dictionary, Webster's Dictionary, this guy's picture's right there, tough, I... I got it tough, I got it bad, and I got it good. Um, talk to us, my friend. How did that upbringing of yours really turn who you are into what you are? Tough upbringing, but at the same time, um, it made me, it built me and prepared me for what I was going to face down the line. It says, they always say that God prepares you for what's going to be in store for your life down the line. That tough upbringing made me be the person that I was. A tough upbringing helped me be able to come back after being robbed of an Olympic gold medal in 1988 and get back on top of the world to prove that I was the best boxer, not only just at the 1988 Olympics, but period. That tough upbringing also helped me bounce back from when I got disqualified in my first loss. My first loss, people don't understand, I'd been 50 in a long time ago. My first loss was a disqualification in the same state that Riddick Bowe. Justin Ferguson twice while he was down. Uh, uh, um, Benny Pazenza hit Dana Rosenblatt and the referee in the same fight. And neither of those guys got disqualified because one was from New York and one was from Rhode Island, which are both up north. But me, the guy from Florida, from down south, the referee don't say stop. I tap the guy, the referee don't say nothing. I tap him again. He face like he's out. They disqualified me. And I'm like one of the nicest people ever. I mean, I was the guy that said, ref, don't let me hit him no more. Ref like, no, nah, you got to do what you got to do. I, okay. Well, they didn't see me hold my hands like several times. I said, okay, I want to do this, but if you insist, and then I have to do it. Uh, I'm that person. 100%. Hey, listen. I'm the person that don't he, hurt nobody. He, he knocked me one. You disqualify me? Yeah, he, he knocked me. I thought you he were Canadian. Disqualify me? You said sorry all the time. You always say sorry. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And you're going to disqualify me? You rid and, and like I said, it's so bad that if you go back and look at the fight, my coach was complaining to the referee about how much money was cheap. I said, no, 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 no. Leave him alone. Let him do what he got to do. Let him do what he got to do to survive. He's going to quit after this next round. Trust me. Let him go. Do not bother him. When he went down, I hadn't hit him yet. He's just quitting. So I can't walk away. He's 5'8". I don't really know that he's down. I don't know what's going on. So I tap him. I don't wait for the referee to say, stop. Referee never said that. So I tap him again. Then he faced like he's out. But the second time, I had to show what it would look like if I hit him for real and he was out for real. The second time you see him no dive into the mud, now you see what will happen if I hit you for real. That, 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 that fake you did, that wasn't real. With that being said, like I said, for me to be able to bounce back off of all that, including off the losses I got later in my career, to bounce back and keep going forward, it took that tough upbringing, upbringing to make me be willing to bite down the time get hard and go even harder. No. So at 51, when I thought it was all over, they said, Mike's ain't want to do an exhibition. Guess what I got to go do again? I got to go bite down again. Because I'm not used to getting up in the morning and going running anymore. My knees tell me I can't do none of that like I used to do it. Your body is not the same. Everything is against you now. Yet, this heart, that motivation, that upbringing, that place that God brought me from, gave me the courage and everything else that I needed to get up and go. So, God keeping me like that, but God doing me the way he did me, blessing me the way he blessed me, building me the way he built me. When I say doing what he did, I'm saying all the good things. It's very difficult for me not to be successful at what I did. And when bad things or things that we perceive as bad come along, I'm not come. Look how many good things he gave me. I'm not mad. I'm cool. Yeah, you are cool. I mean, you're beyond cool. Hey, listen, folks from around the world, 
They're sending you love. Hey, how, how cool is it that we're here live around the world with the one, the only Roy Jones Jr. Put some love in the chat room there for him. Let him know that you appreciate him being here, taking time away from his family. I mean, hey, listen, Roy, here, here's the thing. Before we get into the ring about Mike, and, and it's not about Mike, it's about you. Um, you know, tell us about just what it was like, though, for you to be able to then get yourself into L.A., to get yourself into the ring. What Walk us through what it was like to get into that ring for the first time after all them years, to, to, to finally be in there with an opponent like Mike. Well, it was different because the training, it was hard. It's hard to train, but when you're fighting Mike Tyson, although they call it an exhibition, they give you 12 ounce gloves, which only two ounces bigger than the 10 ounce gloves, which really the pen is back in the hand and the, and the wrist part is not even up front. So it's not an exhibition. It's really a 10 ounce gloves just with a little bit more pad into the back side and make it weigh 12 ounces. First they said headgear, then they said no headgear. Then you come to that fight, they, they put you in a 4 by 4 I mean a 14 by 14 they didn't give you a 16 by 16, which is regulation. They give you a 14 by 14 that felt like a 12 by 12. You and by the way, hey, champ, champ, hold on. Just slow down for a second because, man, you're so brilliant. For those who don't understand boxing, taking two feet away on the perimeter is a big deal. It's like taking your ex-girlfriend and bringing them two feet closer to you when you're on your way out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? It's it's a close, close project. So you, so you rolled up on the spring. So keep talking to us. Keep talking to us. So, so I mean, where is your headset at this point? I knew it was going to happen that way. I knew what they were going to do to me because that's who I am. They always put my back against the wall. You understand me? But when you got God, when God is for you, who can be against you? So no matter what they try, how hard they try, what they do, none of it's going to work. All it did was they motivated me to continue training that whole time because I know that Mike is Mike and you never know what Mike might do. So you got to stay ready for everything. And all I was going to be ready be able to be ready for everything is if I trained, like I was fighting in my prime. And I went back to, and trained exactly like, not exactly with this round, but with the same intensity that I worked with in my prime. You did, but you did. So, so with that, you know, because everyone here, and I mean, every, you know, all our friends over at Braun Studios and everyone over at Google and all our friends from around the world who are here live with you, they all want to know when the moment came and you were in that ring with Mike, did you see the same Mike Tyson that you once knew and that you wanted to fight years ago? What, how, how did he occur for you? How did it land for you? What did you see coming your way? I saw the same Mike Tyson because right away when I started trying to hit him with a jab, I thought for sure I'd be way too fast for him. Wasn't so easy to hit him with the jab. I was like, whoa, okay. Then the first time he got me in the corner, he started banging my real kid. I was like, whoa, now I see what it feels like to be hit by that person who I thought I wanted to be hit by a long time ago. It's everything I thought it was and some. Then he mm. hit with an elbow one time. I'm like, holy smoke. Then he hit with a shoulder one time. I'm like, dang, everything he hit you with hurt. <laughs> you understand me? So, you know, it, but it, it, it was different. And uh, it was fun because that's what I expected. But uh, I'm glad I was in shape because had I not been in shape, I never would have survived. And 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 for for you at the moment, did you feel like you altered your approach? Did you feel like your your mind needed to shift gears? Was there anything about you that needed to step up or get out of the way while you because you went the distance? I mean, I mean, both of you went the distance. I mean, what yeah, happened? I, had, you? I had to I had to change my approach because usually I'm the bully in the ring. Even when I'm little. not the guy that's supposed to win, I'm still the bully because we're the same side. And if anybody in my ring the same side as me, I'm the bully. But when you fight somebody like Mike Tyson, who is much bigger than you, and he came probably from 300 to make 220, you come from 160, now I'm making 210, it's a big difference. And a key, a key moment for me was, our goal was to drive to, every time we coach time over and push him back, right? By the third time I tied him and pushed him backwards, he picked me up like a little rag doll and set me around the corner himself and put me back down. I said, holy cow. <laughs> So much for backing him up, you understand? Right. So, but but for the first time, but I, but like I said, I knew this coming in that for once in my life, I can't be the bully in the ring. I got to be the smart guy in the ring. I got to be the rabbit in the race. I can't be the toad. I can't be the strong guy because that's not me right now. And I'm I'm not never really a strong guy. Or you are so smart and so on top of things that I can fight how I want to fight, and that you can't deal with me because I'm used to being a toad. But that I'd be very smart about. It. Hey. Champ, tell me, man, 
What what was it like though to, to to be fighting in that ring when in essence, with the exception of our friends like uh, Snoop and and Sugar was over there, but there was no real audience. And there's a big impact when you have a live audience roaring for you know thousands of seats into the rafters. Do you feel that played uh, against you or or for you? I think it played against me in a sense. But the only thing different was was that it wasn't so silent. It wasn't as loud as used to hearing it. So I could hear everything that Sugar Ray and Leonard uh, and uh, Sugar Ray and Snoop Dogg was saying while they were saying it because it was a, a lot of noise in there. And so it, it played a different role, but it's always better for me to have the fans because I like to perform for the fans. But when you got Mike Tyson version, it's like you got to survive. So you better perform and you better do your best or you're going to end up and lay it out on the floor, which you better be off. You feel me? So I feel you better have it together when you go in there. Yeah, no, I got it. I got it. Listen, in, in the world of performance psychology, they call that the audience effect. So some teams, some players, some legends like Roy, I mean, they play towards that. Uh, but for some people, it plays against it. Hey, listen, if you're just tuning in from around the world, I mean, you're getting a lot of love here from, again, Scotland, UK, Australia's in the house. New Zealand says hello. Uh, we've got people from across the states. Hey, champ, tell me, would you be open to a couple of questions live and from people around the world? You cool with that? Most definitely. Let me tell you one thing about me. And I'm telling all y'all that's listening about me. I'm the coolest person that people will ever meet. I started boxing because of Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali didn't care about nobody's race, nobody's religion, nobody's nothing. He was friendly, loving, and kind to all. Mm-hmm. That's how I live. So, of course, I, my time is at the essence because I do have things I have to do. But I would definitely take some questions from people because that's who I am. No, I appreciate that, man. I know that we're uh, already about maybe 15 away, 15 minutes away from our end. So I want to make sure that I, I do manage your time. I know that your wife is probably within listening uh, shot saying, yeah, you got to get to dinner here. We got things for you to do. So hand- <laughs> guys, um, I want to just get on up here. Uh, Keith UT, all the way in from Alberta. Uh, let me take a look and see where you are. I uh, can't find you. So I'm about to move over here. Stephen Druth, I'm going to come up over to you. Miami, Florida. I'm unmuting you. You've got uh, the champ live, Roy Jones Jr. Go ahead, buddy. Rich, thank you for putting this together. And champ, you know, kudos for your fight with Mike. And uh, thank you for being here. But I actually want to go way back. Now, you mentioned the Seoul Olympics, that after that fight, you had something to prove to the world. And being somebody who watched it back in the day, the world knows you won that fight. Were you... Trying to prove something maybe to yourself and see something that we all saw. And how do you think that fight actually changed the tra- trajectory of your life? Because you won. It was clear. That fight made me feel like that I, I got a silver medal, but I deserved a gold medal. Absolutely. And I wanted to and I wanted to quit. But when I got back to Pensacola, I saw all the fan support I had, even in the last period. Then when I saw my little guys at the gym that were under me. That box. When I saw their eye, they couldn't believe that I said I was gonna stop. I was gonna quit. Didn't quit wasn't in me. So right when I saw their faces, I knew that that was gonna be a professional boxing career. So when I turned pro, I turned pro with the intent of having something to prove because God knew how to turn me on high. The way to turn me on high is to take and put me in a bad situation, which is what really wasn't a bad situation. That's how great God is. God takes the worst situation that we think it is and turns it into the best situation of our life. He took that worst situation that I thought for sure that was the worst thing that ever possibly happened to me. And he turned around and made me use that as fuel to prove who I really was as a professional boxer. And wow. with, that, with that being the case, I think that was the absolute best thing that could have happened to me because to top it all off, they also gave me the Bell Barker Cup, which said I was the best boxer at the Olympics. But they don't know. It is something else to go metal. <laughs> mm. Thanks, brother. We appreciate you. I'm heading on up here. I got, I got Louie coming in from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. What's up, Louie? You got Roy Jones here, my friend. Thank you very much, Richard. Hey, Roy. And how are you? Thanks for your time. Good, good. Listen, I want to talk to you about self-talk. Before your matches, how are you mentally preparing yourself for your opponents? Oh. Talk to myself a lot. I envision and play the fights back through my head several times. But the biggest thing about self talk is must paint a picture. You have to create a vision 
visible, a visual vision of what you want to see yourself as in that room. If you can't see yourself in that room as that vision that you put in your head, then you're not going to have all conversation. When you paint that vision in your head, this is what I want to look like. This is how I want to look. And that gives you your start. Because if you have any faith in God, then God will outdo you every single man. If I had way better than you ever could have believed it to be. But you have to have a start in your head because God helps those who helps himself. You got to play that thing back over and over and over in your brain. Every night sometime, I'm thinking about different things I'm going to do. Because when I do that, I go in the rain with a whole Rolodex full of things that I think I may want to try. But when I get that sometime, God gives me something else. Mm, I love it, man. Lou, I think he gave it to you uh, straight up, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. I got Michael Neal coming on in. Hey, Michael Neal, you've got uh, the champ right here, pound for pound, Superman, live right here worldwide. Go ahead, Mike. Thanks, Rich. Hi, Roy. I'm a big fan and watch so many of your fights. Uh, as Rich said, you're the pounds of pound leader at the time, and you're the all-time greatest. Yet, you made the transition to become the top fight analyst, commentator in the business, and you acted in Arliss, The Matrix, Creed, and others. What, if any, were the personal challenges you had to make to overcome these difficult transitions? And was there anything you had to overcome to be successful in almost everything that you've done? No, there's nothing that I had to overcome. The biggest thing you had to overcome is the fear of not knowing. But when you feel like God's in your favor, God's on your side, then you don't care about not knowing because you know God got you. So that I always was afraid or thought that maybe I can't do it. That would be in the back of my mind. That's every time you fight, it's in the back of your mind. So negativity always comes up. When you got God, you take that positive and you smash that negativity with it. So anytime I get opportunities, I take those as those are blessings from God to me. I can't let the bad things try to get in my mind and make me think like I, I, I'm not good enough to do those things. If I wasn't good enough, God wouldn't have put me here or wouldn't have presented me with those opportunities. God doesn't bring us to nothing. They won't bring us through. And that's what the truth is. Mm, I love it, man. I love it. Good question, Mike. Thanks so much for that question. I'm going to come up here to Naran. Pillathungam, you got uh, the champ right here right now live. And we've only got a handful of uh, questions left, champ, so I can get you off to dinner. So go ahead there, Naran. Richie, thank you so much for inviting us all into your conversation with the champ. And champ, what an honor, man. What an honor. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Question for you. You said that your upbringing and your past prepared you to get up and uh, come back and and gave you the grit, gave you kind of a grit to be able to overcome the future. What are you doing to inspire your kids and the people that you mentor to drive into them the grit to get up? How do you do that? Well, the one thing I try to do. What I try to do is give them, like I've been telling you guys today, I try to give them examples of what God has done for me and where I've been through. Because sometimes it's better to tell a story through example than it is to try to explain it to somebody something that you know or, they, or she said. So for me, I try to give it to them just like I got it. You know what I mean? It's like when I was six years old, I had my hand on the alarm because I was only on a short cut at six years old. That water monster could have bit me and killed me right there on the spot. But God had other plans for me. You understand me? And when God had my other plan, she did. And I stuck my hand on that lawnmower trying to feel for problems before my friend went. I'd have got bit by that mouth. And that would have been another baby that's a nice cheat. But thank God, it wasn't a cheater and I didn't cheat my friend. It was his turn to go first. So I picked the roll up like I was supposed to. Things like that happened to me at times when I really didn't know much about it. No, you got that, champ. What I just did, by the way, just so you yeah. know, um, I will. We got it. I just turned off your video only because your signal is struggling, likely because someone's either playing Fortnite or downloading a movie for tonight for you. So uh, either way, uh, your signal is getting stressed. But I just turned off the video for a little bit for it to regather itself. So I hope that worked out for you guys. Yeah. My signal is struggling because I live out in the country. I live out in the woods, kind of. I live off, off, the, off of the grid, kind of. So the internet is really bad out here. That's okay. That's okay. You're, it, it's because your voice is the voice of a champ, so that's why we we can we can we can envision what you look like. <laughs> you. But uh, hey, listen, as we as we begin to wind down, we've got maybe we've got time to just for uh, let's say one or maybe two more questions. What do you think, champ? One or two? Let's give them two. Let's give them two. Let's give them two. I'm going to go on up here to Keith. Keith Uti, I called you out earlier, Ron, and I didn't I didn't find you, so I, I owe you a an opportunity to speak with the champ. Go ahead, my 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 friend. Hey, Roy, I, you know, a pleasure to add you on this call here. And uh, 
I just, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned when you were training as a boxer, how you cross train to make yourself the best you could be and perform at a high level. When you stepped out of the ring and you went into the other realms of your life to be a high performer, what things did you do to cross train, transition into those realms to help you be a high performer in that new you? Yeah, well, I challenge myself and I do things like um, I, I, re- I read more of the Bible now. Uh, I read things to try to be able to comprehend and learn more words and are brought to broaden the vocabulary. So when you do things like that, it helps you even get in the front of those microphones and have to talk to people. So I also stop and I speak. I do a lot of public speaking. Doing public speaking, it also gives me practice at being able to speak so that people can understand me and understand that I'm not talking to my kids or my family or my friends every single day. So you have to go out of your norm to speak in places where people don't know you. So if you don't speak the right or the correct way, they won't understand what you're saying. If I talk fast like I normally talk, you probably wouldn't understand me now. But because I go put myself in those adverse situations to where I'm forced to slow down so that everybody can understand what I'm saying, that prepares me for those things that I would have did outside of the boxing ring. Covering something we just heard about an hour ago, that's right. You know, it's fun. It's funny, champ. Thanks so much for that question, Keith. But you know, one of the things that you know about me because of all the I coach and work with is I always say that if you want to be the best at anything, don't get coached, become the coach. That's right. Don't get trained and right. speak, go become a speaker. And, and champ, there's one thing about you, man, everything you've done and everything that you're doing is likely because you're like, look, if I got to learn how to be a broadcaster, I don't want to learn how to speak. I'm going to become a broadcaster and I will speak. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Um, okay, we got one more because that's what the champ said. We got time for it. It's going all the way to Stuttgart, Germany. Uh, we've got Yusuf here. Yusuf, you've got the champ right here, right now, live. Go ahead, buddy. It is a really, really great honor to meet you. Um, so as someone who's found his passion in fighting, I would love to ask you, like, how did it feel like to win your first world title when your work finally paid off? Man, that was the best. That was one of the best feelings of all. That's finally the first time. I tried to relax after I turned professional because once I turned professional, I was not going to be able to relax until I became a world champion because being a professional boxer was not good enough for me. I have to be a world champion or it did me no good to become a professional boxer. So at that moment, I felt like I had accomplished one of the things that I wanted to accomplish in my life outside of winning that gold medal that they took from me. Becoming a world champion also solidified something else that I had planned to do in my life. So that was one of the greatest feelings of all time. The only problem I have is every time I accomplish one thing, I go and set another goal because I don't know how to stop. That's my mission. So much. That's my man. And you're welcome, my friend, all the way in from Stuttgart, Germany. Um, I just requested for you to click on there to make sure that you um, come on back on the video. Okay. Okay. Because I want to make sure I talk to you and for folks who are here, I promised. uh... Go ahead, my friend. Go ahead. I want to tell you one more thing. Please, of course. This is your call. Please give me, take me, take get one lady question because I got not one question from a woman just now. Are there any women that have a good question? Look at you. Not one question from a female. We got to be fair here. That, you know, 100%. You are right. You are right. I'd say I hope that's a guy up here named Kyle Guthrow, but uh, he certainly is not qualified as a woman up there. So come on, ladies. Um, The champ right here. I mean, uh, it's not every day you get to speak with, be with, join live in his living room, in his home, off the grid, I might add, uh, to chat with a world champion um, at every single level. I'm coming up to you, Marlene. Is that you or is that you? All right. I'm coming up to you, Marlene. I'm clicking. We got California coming online there, champ. So you've got Marlene. Go ahead. you got Roy Jones Jr. Okay. okay. Roy. I am so inspired yeah. by you just because, I mean, it takes somebody very special to to be a fighter, you know, and as a girl, I don't know anything about that, but I am inspired by you because I just, you know, I would like to know what it feels like every time you get hit, every time you're close injured, what did it feel like? What did it take for you to get back up and say, I'm not going to be defeated? What what was that for you? What was that like? Thank you. That's a good question. That's, That's a good, good question. question. Well, then, Marley. For me, for me, yeah, for me as a boxer and as a man, when you go out to box, you know that getting hit is part of the job. So when you get hit, it doesn't really affect me much at all. If I get hit hard, 
I get angry with myself because the first thing I think is, how in the heck did you let him hit you with that? You feel me? <laughs> or the second thing I think is, he better not hit you with that again. And then because I get hit twice with the same punch, I'm thinking my retirement because that, that just should not happen in my book. That's how much of a, profess- of a professionalist I am when it comes to boxing. So when you hit me, all you do is encourage me to hit you back. And my model of boxing was, if you hit me one time, I got to hit you six times to make you pay for that one time you hit me. So every time you hit me once, now I'm pissed off and I owe you six. You understand me? So that always kept me motivated so that if something happened, I'm automatically right back on the trigger because if you hit me once, I need six of my right now. I'm laughing. But thank you, money. That was a great question. Man, Roy, I'm laughing so hard because I talked to, to Mike after the fight and I said, hey, man, so how'd that go? Roy he goes, man, that Roy, every time you hit him, it's like he comes back at you and he just pissed me off. You you had him so <laughs> angry because you kept doing exactly that. And folks, if you're writing down any notes and it's worth it because we're, we're wrapping up here with Roy Jones Jr. So he can go and be a family man with his family and all that's good and, and blessed in his life. But man, I mean, that is a life philosophy right That When life hits you once, you come back at it six shots. That's it, man. That's Roy Jones Jr. script right now. By the way, Roy, I mean, this is probably common for you, but you made a shout out to the lady. I mean, there's a lineup of ladies here just wanted to ask you a question. So do you have time for one more lady to just ask you one more question? All right, I'm coming up. I'm coming up here to Nikki. Come on, Nikki. No, no, give me three strikes. Give me two more. Make three strikes. Okay, three strikes it is. So I got Nikki, then Sarai, and then we'll done. So go ahead, Nikki. You've got uh, London right now, London, Ontario, going live with Roy Jones Jr. Hey, Roy, I'm a huge fan. I loved your fight with Mike. It was amazing. I mean, the fact that you guys did that when the world absolutely needed it, it was just incredible. But um, So I'm not a fighter. However, I do have a bucket list of certain fighters that I love to train with. How does somebody train with you just for an hour? to Pensacola. Um, we make it happen. You know, I have a I have a Instagram, see it up on my Instagram. Uh actually hit me on Instagram or like make a make something where I know it's you that you want to train to put training. And I know and uh if you ever just came to Pensacola when I'm in town, I have sessions every pretty much every day about five to five thirty. So I would uh fit you into one, give you a session and that'd be it. By the way. Just so everyone knows around the world that that's disqualified for women only. Men are not included. <laughs> I'm just totally kidding. I'm teasing. Well done, Nikki. Well done. Well done. I'm getting up here to uh, Sarai because you were the, the 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 second last person in there, and uh, and and Roy wanted it to make three. So I'm coming up here. I'm sorry, Catherine. I won't be able to make it up to you, but uh, Sarai, uh, you've got the champ live. We'll get Catherine too. We'll get Catherine. Next. Okay, we'll get Catherine. We'll get Catherine. Okay. All right, go ahead, Sarai. We'll get Catherine. Come on. I got you, brother. I appreciate you. Hi! Oh my God, this is so exciting! I can't wait to show up and share this with my dad. I'm good at Miami. I was just working out um, on this call. I don't want to keep you too long, um, but you spoke a lot about God and your relationship with God and faith. So I'm curious. I'm going to stop the video, Sarai. I just stopped your video, so you can repeat it one more time because your sick was also a bit stressed. So can you repeat that one more time? Yeah. How did your journey with God help you be the athlete that you are, champ? My journey with God uh, was everything about who I became. Because without God, I would have never made it through the first part of that journey that I had to take to become who I became in the later part of my life. So right away, early, like I said, about I spoke about the, the water moxing under the lawnmower. There was a time when I was out fishing with my dad in, in the waist high water for my dad, about chest high for me. And there were sharks coming around my dad, who was about 10 feet in front of me. He said, shark, we both ran out of water. I dropped my fishing reel when I ran out of water, but I was only five years old. When I dropped my fishing reel, once he got he got back to the land, he realized I, I dropped my fishing rod. He made me go back in the water and get my fishing rod. Water that we just saw two sharks circling him in. Man, that's amazing, right? No, 100%. So, so because that water moxing didn't bite me, because the shark didn't come back and get me, and there are several other things that happened that I probably shouldn't be here right now, none of that happened. That's showing me that God has been protecting me for a reason. So every time I doubted going to training, doubted even living, because there were times I doubted even living, God put in my mind and said, listen, son, I've saved you from this. I've saved you from that. I want you to be even dead already. I have paths for you. Keep your head on it. Let's go. That brought me really, really close to God. Look where I am today. 
Now, for me to tell you that, I've been knowing that since I was 12 years old. I just got a ring with Mike Tyson at 51 years old. I'm 52 now. I had a birthday January 16. But at 51 years old, whoever would have thought that Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson would be in the ring in their 50? Unbelievable. But the grace of God says nothing is, is impossible if you believe. You understand me? So you have to believe. So that believing and having that faith in God brought me all the way to where I have so many stories I can tell you. All the way down to the fact that this is the last one I'm going to give you, though. When I was in the Olympic trial, I had a bummed out right hand. My hand was really fractured while I was in the Olympic trial. Everybody knows with their bracket bracketology, the number one team goes at the top, the number two team goes at the bottom. The number one and two guys were Frank Lyle and Tim Little. I couldn't beat both of them back to back even with a light break because my finger would not have held up. I prayed to God to put both of them in the same bracket so that I only got to beat one of them. I said, if that happens, I will definitely win this tournament. And I know there's God telling me that this is for me. When I got to the bracket, number one, number two, were both in the top bracket. Number eight, Roy, the last ranked person there, was at the bottom bracket. Now, everybody knows number one supposed to fight number eight if they're on the 18th. Number one was up in the top bracket where number two was. Number eight was down in the bracket where not number one nor number two was. That's God's will of showing me he got me. And I prayed for that. If I ain't got to fight one of them, I can win this. Because my hand will hold up for one of them. It ain't going to hold up for both of them. Everybody else there, I could be with one hand. Huh? Now, this is what we're saying. Everybody at the Olympic trials except number one and number two, I can beat. Not only can I beat them, I can beat them with one hand. Hello? This is the 1988 Olympic trial. Everybody there except number one and number two, I can beat one hand. I got to be the best man there. So it happened just that way. I beat everybody I fought until I got number one. I beat him. Then I got a week off and I had to beat him again. But my hand swelled up so bad after the fight with him that if I had to fight again a day after that, it would not have worked, just like I knew. But I prayed to God that I didn't get put in that situation. Guess what happened? I didn't get put in that situation. Everybody knows my bracket that knows my bracketology knows the number one team fights the weakest team there or the weakest rate team there. I was rating number eight. I was the weakest league there. Eight, eight of us there. I'm ranked number eight, and I'm in the opposite bracket of number one and number two. Had to be the greatest of God. Had to be. Either that, you smelled like shark, and no one wanted to swim with you. That's probably what it was all about, my friend. <laughs> hey, listen, you've got you promised that one last girl, one last girl. She's going to ask you that last question. We're going to wrap up because you got to get to dinner. So, uh, Catherine, I'm coming over to you because you're talking with the the, the single handed greatest pound for pound Superman champion of the world, uh, my friend Roy Jones Jr. Go ahead, Catherine. Hey, hi, thank you, Richard. I appreciate it, and thank you. No problem, Catherine. Jones Jr., my daddy, oh my gosh, he passed away this last summer. He was a welterweight. He went professional at a higher weight class. It, what you talked about, that is tough. That is super tough going in with people who lose the weight to fight in that class. Yeah, yeah, that did him yeah. in. But uh, he would be so thrilled to be on this call with you and just chime in your achievements and you have had all those achievements thanks to god thanks to the strength within you that god gave you thanks to your mentality and let me ask you if you don't mind not to make less of you there is also a lady a renaissance lady in your life, Natlin, your wife. Yep. Who is accomplished as well. And if you wouldn't mind giving just a moment of time about the importance of the support. And I mean, because boxing, it, she's in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, to tell you the truth, I'm glad you brought that point up. Well, boxer, especially a person as myself, we go through a lot of things in, in, in the world. We go through a lot of fights. And to have a person as your soulmate or as your partner, you have to have a person who's understanding, yeah, who's also willing to go as far as you're willing to go. 
on the scale to win and to be successful. Our marriage would be nothing if she was not a very, very strong woman. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not the strongest person when it comes to relationships. She's the glue to their relationship. Without her, we wouldn't have a marriage still because she is everything. She's the strength and the backbone of this whole household. And that's why I say I would take questions from women because women are the strength and the backbone of every really good man. If you don't have a really good woman behind you, it'd be very difficult for you to be successful or to be happy and successful. Now, don't get it wrong. There are times it gets very stressful and tough too. But in a time, a lawyer, my, 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 my lawyer who was just deceased maybe two weeks ago, was told me this. He said, no matter how rough things get in the world, I can go home and lay back up under my wife and I feel like everything is okay. And that says a lot because every man in this world, in my opinion, I don't go into all the stuff that they are into today about you know, all the other craziness. I just believe that this is how life was meant to be for us. A man must have a strong woman if he wants to be happy and successful. If he doesn't have a strong woman, he'll, be, he'll have a very hard time having a balance in his life. But all of that starts with God first. Because to get the right woman, you have to pray to God to send her your way or to send you to her. And I need exactly that. I prayed to God to send me a woman strong enough to be able to withstand all that I pray. And I'm going to bring a lot. And I still bring a lot. But I pray that I got a woman that was very strong to be able to stay by my side no matter what I brought. And that's what Miss Nathan Jones has done. And she has a cool has a cool line out now called She Warrior. You go at I dot I am dot she dot com is where she's doing doing her active line. And she's a very, very strong woman. She's even boxing now. She's become accustomed a regular in the boxing gym and she's accustomed to the boxing training and she loves it now. So that has gotten even better. But in life, to me, if we want to have a strong woman, then it's gonna be very difficult for us to be able to keep a strong mentality and still a strong focused path because when we try to do too much as uh, Solomon did in the Bible, when you do too much, it'll distract you from what the real prize is. But when mm-hmm. you keep God first, you can keep everything in line. Keep everything in line with that woman helping you. You get, you get the best helper ever. If you have a woman helper, then you can get somewhere. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Leo, for that question. I love it, champ. You, you are such a, a gracious man. And, um, you know, as we wrap up and say goodbye, you know, you've been, um, you've been an incredible soul and force in not just my world, but Tyson's world. I mean, I've been in his life for now 12 years and I hear your name all the time as a source of inspiration, as a source of a, a an aspiring level to live from and a standard to live up to. Um, and, and not just for him, but for a lot of folks. So, so, okay, here's a special announcement, everybody. Roy and I are doing something that's really special. And for my friends who are checking in here and know this firsthand, uh, his life story belongs on the screen. So we're already beginning to collaborate on just how to articulate it in such a way so that his legacy is left by design and not by default. He's got far too many life lessons to teach for just to be found out and discovered through some excavation. He is a brilliant man. If you all have been able to watch, give me a thumbs up or a reaction if you agree with this. He is an incredible speaker. He's an orator. He's passionate. He's poetic. And more, for, and more importantly, he's confident in the conviction he lives with and lives by. Um, Roy, I'm delighted to call you a friend. I'm delighted to call you uh, a partner. And as you know, we've got some really cool stuff lined up. So I want you to know that you've got my commitment to doing some magical things. Uh, I'm actually, uh, you know, first and foremost, uh, happy birthday. Uh, my condolences to the passing of your counsel. Um, but man, life's, life's only going to get to the next chapter and I'm grateful to be a part of authoring the next one. So, um, so, so for me, uh, I want you to know it's a privilege, it's an honor, uh, and it's only the beginning of the next chapter for all great things, Roy Jones, Jr. Thank you, you very much. I, I just want to say thank you so much for that. Thank you for all those encouraging words. And I also wanted to come back home because I love talking to people. You have a really great, uh, fan base here. There are a lot of great people on here, and I see all the texts that they are sending me, and I really would love to come back and spend more time with them, speak to them again, because I love being able to communicate with people. I know that there are so many things about me that people want to know, so many things they want to just hear my opinion on. Uh, I'm a God-fearing man first, so 
I'm probably going to be different than a lot of these new people are, but I, I just got to keep it the way I live. I can't judge nobody. I'm not mad at how nobody lives. I can't judge you, but I also can give you uh, a wisdom and encouragement about the way that I live. So thank you guys for everything. I'll be more than happy to come on and talk about those type of things because, like I said, some things I don't indulge in, but what I do indulge in, I will speak about. I'm not perfect. I love what I love. Uh, I love my chickens. I love, I love women. I love everybody. I love people, period. And that's just who I am because I'm a people person. But I just love people, so it's hard for me not to love people because that's what I am. But I'm just sharing my mind. I love to speak my mind. And I don't give opinions on a lot of things because, like I said, people nowadays are so sensitive in your opinion. So I don't give a lot of opinions all the time. But when it comes to Roy, I change your exact idea. That's it, man. I give you one. You give me six. <laughs> Hey, listen, you're not just a man of lessons. You're not just a man of lessons. You're not just a leader. You are a legend. And I'm grateful. I'm humbled. I'm blessed. And on behalf of everybody here, we are blessed too to have you in our time, a little bit of time that we had an hour already together. Thank you. Thank your bride for us. Letting your family know we're grateful for the time that you took away from them for us. And uh, I'm talking to your team more morning. So I'll look forward to chatting with them then. But until then, folks, I mean, we've been joined live by Roy Jones Jr., pal for pound not just the greatest fighter of our time, but really an inspiring man who's got a life story that would inspire yours. So Roy, from my heart to your ears, thank you. I love you. I got you. And uh, I'll look forward to chatting with thank you more. Brother. Thank you. Thank you all for all that birthday wishes. And thank you all for the sharing time. With Look forward to it again, okay? All right, big fella. Until you see him again, you'll be on the big screen, guys. Guys, be well, be you, because anything less, is just ordinary. On behalf of Braun Studios, Google Studios, and all things great, we thank Roy Jones Jr. and his family for having him here. Be well, everyone. Be safe. Be you. Thanks for tuning into Courageous Conversations with Richard Dolan. We're on all the major podcast platforms, and we appreciate your support by reviewing us. You can follow our show at The Rich World on many social media channels. We hope that listeners like yourself enjoyed this episode and remember to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or whatever other streaming services are available because we cannot wait to bring you more valuable content that can make a difference in your life.